everyone, I'm Jenna. And I'm Mark. Thank you all for joining us for another episode of Cincinnati Zoo Tales. We appreciate you all tuning in. Jenna, we've got a great guest today. We're being joined by Ashley Ashcraft. Ashley is the team leader and one of the keepers of our primate center. She doesn't just take care of uh, prime, just take care of gorillas, but gorillas are going to be the main topic of our conversation today. Thank you for joining us. We're really excited to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, I feel like it's really weird, but for some reason, I don't get down to Gorilla World often, and I cannot keep up with the group of gorillas that we have and their names. I can't identify them, and they're one of the most popular animals here at the zoo, so mm. I need, I'm excited to learn. When people come to visit, they're like, oh, who's that? Who's that? I'm like, I have I have no idea. Well, I'm excited to tell you, so we can talk all that. <laughs> I'm right there with you. It's hard because, like, I feel like we all kind of get trapped in our bubble oh, sometimes. Yeah. And gorillas are on the exact opposite side yeah. of the zoo mm-hmm. as our Africa habitat. So a lot of times I don't get over there, and we need to get over there more often. But, yeah, I'm excited to hear about the gorillas today. But I wanted to start off just learning a little bit about you, your okay. background, kind of what got you interested in wildlife or gorillas in particular. Yeah, um, I mean, I think I have a very similar backstory, probably compared to a lot of zookeepers. I've always grown up wanting to work with animals. I thought I wanted to do, like, a veterinarian route, quickly decided that was not for me. Um, But in college, I took some primatology classes, and I just fell in love with primates there. I did some sanctuary work there as well and fell in love with gibbons. I had the opportunity to go, after I graduated, I had the opportunity to go to the Vervet Monkey Foundation in South Africa, and that just kind of reinforced my love of primates. Awesome. And then I was able to do some internships and landed an internship here, and that's where my love of gorillas really were you an intern in the summer of 2009? Yes. Same time as me? I yes, thought same you were time. the same summer. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. And were you in Primate Center then? Yes. And we did half days. Were you somewhere else too? Um, I did Jungle Trail. So oh, I didn't so were... venture far. And I did, two, they let me do two back-to-back internships there. So it was very summer and like not wanting to leave because I loved gorillas so much. So I was like, I'm staying here. Um, so I worked seasonally and temporarily for quite a while and then hired on full-time. So I wouldn't suggest that to anybody trying to get a job here. <laughs> like, please be much more open to traveling I did and moving. Too. I thought but you got hired pretty quickly. No, it took no? about four years okay. or something to get a full-time job. I don't know why. I thought you were um, than It seemed that. a lot longer because yes. you're just... Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, this feels like forever. Now looking back, right? Yeah, every season you're kind of hanging on. Am I going to get rehired? Am I going to get brought back? Exactly. So, but it's a roller coaster. Is anyone going to retire it. anytime soon? <laughs> like, get out of here. <laughs> my For turn. Sure. Well, you mentioned you kind of started your interest in college. Where did you go to college? I went to Ohio State. Okay. For and did a zoology program there. And um, so they had a sanctuary pretty close to the college, so I got oh, I to work with that. Gibbons there. Um, it's not affiliated with Ohio State, but they kind of recruit Ohio State students. So I ended up there and loved it and continued on. Yeah, that's awesome work for a college student. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Do you still love Gibbons? I mean, I'm sure you love all the yes. animals you work with, but yeah. like, are gorillas definitely your thing now? I love gorillas, and I love orangutans, too. So they were my first love. I did an internship at a different zoo, and that's where my love of orangs okay. came in. Mm-hmm. And the, But then here is so, you know, we have our whole department is very much gorilla-based, and then we have smaller primates as well. And then Jungle Trails has the bonobos and their orangs. So my focus now is certainly much more on gorillas, and I love them to death. So, yeah. Do you find it scary at all working with these animals that are so intelligent? Like, is it? Absolutely. <laughs> we, we talk about how, like, <laughs> lions are scary in the sense that, like, they're predators uh-huh. and they want to hunt things. Yeah. But, like, I think, because I did Half Day at Jungle Trails, like, just seeing how smart primates are, I'm like, that is not for me. That seems <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. Because they will, like, check out lots. They will absolutely do that. <laughs> My first day that I was, like, cleared to work gorillas, the exact same thing happened to me. Samantha, our oldest at the time, going behind me and checking all my locks. And I was like, whew. It's very intimidating. They're incredibly (laughs) smart. They catch on to everything. So... If you mess up, they'll definitely let you know it. Um, They're kind of, you know, they're gentle giants, but they are also, you know, males have the strength of 8 to 10 men. So it's incredibly scary. And giant canines. Yes, um, and the intelligence of, you know, 
What is there something you compare it to? Yeah, so like a five year old. It said it's said to be about a two or three year old wow, child. Okay. Yeah. And I you know, they're all individuals, so they all have different Give or take. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then Samantha, she was probably just trying to help you out. Oh, she yeah. was like, I'll just make sure that no one else notices and then I'll let her know if she's somehow messed up. Yeah. <laughs> she but she and I mean <laughs> she's like my she was my gorilla doppelganger, I think. <laughs> Very similar. I was That's like, hilarious. Okay, thank you for checking, but please stop. <laughs> So awesome. you've been full-time in Primate Center since you became a full-time keeper. Yes. And, you know, gorillas, well, we have quite a few, and we want to hear about them. And um, I want to hear a lot about, like, the training and their personality. So I always do this to people. I give you, like, this really broad, open-ended <laughs> question. I was about to say, tell us about the gorillas. But, like, if you just want to introduce us to the ones we have. Okay. So we have a total of 11 Western Lowland Gorillas, and they're broken up into three different family groups. So those family groups don't coincide, um, and we try our best so that they don't see each other even, is to that extent. So really, gorillas live in what's uh, called a harem. So one adult male per group, and the rest are females and kids. So in zoos, we try to mimic that. Um, so that's what we have set up, three different family groups. So we have, um, we typically name our groups after the silverback or the adult male of the group. So only adult males become silverbacks, um, and that's when they're fully mature, and they're the leader and the boss of the group. So we have Endume's group, which consists of Mara and Malenzi. Um, Malenzi just had her 40th birthday yesterday. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, and Endume is 41, so they're they're up there. So in the wild, they'll get to, like, just into their 30s, so they really? will surpass their life. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so she had a nice little birthday, and then Mara is Melinzi's biological daughter, so it's really fun to watch those two interact with each other. Um, and then we have Mishindi's group, so he is in charge of Talibu and Bandia, and that's Talibu's a sassy girl, and we love her <laughs> to death. She's super smart and super playful, but oh my gosh, she has the biggest personality. Um, and then we have Mbelli's group. So Mbelli's the one that just recently came in from Denver in October. So he is now the leader of Chewy, our adult female, and then our three little girls. So Gladys, okay. Mondika, we call her Mona, and then Elle. Um, so he's doing a really good job with them so far. And how, how do you guys go about deciding, like, which silverback gets which female? Like, how do those personalities match? How do you make those decisions? It is a huge collaboration basically so um i know you guys i'm sure you have talked about the ssp here the species survival plan that looks at all the genes in us zoos so there's about 360 gorilla gorillas that they're looking at so genetically they decide which gorillas should come to which zoos um so unfortunately when jomo passed away earlier in the year we needed to fill in his position um, so, and Belly was in a position where he was, he's 20 years old, so he's at the age where naturally in the wild they're going to start gathering their own family group. Mm -hmm. Um, so even down to that we try to mimic. So he came here and we did a little bit of rearranging with some of our females and, um, to kind of put it into context, I guess, it was the three little girls and Malinzi and Jomo in one group. Um, and when Jomo passed away, they were sustainable for a short period, but Malinzi has a very subdued personality. I love her to death. She's one of my favorites, but she will not scold children when she needs to uh. scold children. <laughs> um, so we did decide to go ahead and flip up Malinzi and Chewy, and Chewy, we call her Auntie Chewy now, um, but Chewy, it kind of has a personality almost of like a silverback. Um, so she really acted as their leader and disciplinary in the interim time until we could get Mbelli here. Okay. Um, so it was several months, before, you know, just being a female group, which usually is okay, but it won't last super long. So you want to try to fill in that position as quickly as possible. But the SSP helps you. They know all the personalities of gorillas, so they'll help match as best they can. And we will say, like, we'll give it our input if we think it's going to work or not. And I mean, he's just been so great. He is. He came from a bachelor group um, in Denver, so this is truly his first family group. Um, so that's another way gorillas are found in the wild in bachelor groups. So when we talk about these harems where you have one adult male and the rest are females and kids, people are like, okay, so where are all the rest of the boys at? That's what I was just yeah. going to ask. Yeah. Are there way more females than males? Yeah, so like you do have that. So typically about the age of eight, that young male in the group is going to start challenging the dad or the silverback of the group. 
and that silverback will just kind of push them out of the family group. So then he either goes, he can live solitary if he chooses, or if he finds a bachelor group and fits in with them. He'll live with that bachelor group until he's fully mature. So then once he's fully mature, he'll finally get that silver coloring on his back. Before that, he'd be called a blackback. Um, it would be harder to tell them apart from females mm. at that point. So it's the silver coloring is almost kind of an advertisement to lady gorillas saying he's ready to start his own family group. So then, the, once he's fully mature, ready for his own group, he could acquire females in several different ways. He could challenge another silverback, coerce females away. Um, there might maybe a silverback from a different troop has passed, and females are trying to find another silverback, those types of things. So Mbelli was in a bachelor group before, so um, they're making that, and then he comes and he finds his own family group. And how's he adjusted to being here so oh far? Oh my gosh, he's... He's been amazing. Um, I, you know, I tend to, and this might just be my viewpoint, but silverbacks, I think because they have such like a strong role, they want to be in charge, they want to be the boss of things. I think sometimes it's a little bit harder for them to adjust. It takes a little bit longer, but he just came in and he just rocked it out. He's very confident. He's very, he's very... Like, he does his job, but he's not overly aggressive or anything mm. like that. He's very gentle with the three little girls, which um, we weren't sure. We knew whatever silverback were to come in, you kind of, you have one adult female and then three smaller females. So it's, I mean, honestly, not too much of a fair fight between a silverback and a group of little girls. Yeah, I'm sure that's a little nerve-wracking. Yeah, so having, process, having yeah. Chewy in there really helped back them up. But, I mean, I don't think that, I mean, honestly, he probably would have been fine um, if they didn't have Chewy. But they they were in his face, and so those little <laughs> girls were so confident in his face and just wanted to see him, and he just did everything so great. We didn't have an issue at all. Um, he would just kind of slowly correct them because he needed a little space, which I don't, they were being a little... A little too much in his face, in my opinion. But um, <laughs> they did finally, like, after the excitement wore off, they give him his space. But they, they do really enjoy him, and it's been really fun to watch. Definitely. That's awesome. I'm so glad it went well. It's always scary introducing animals. It is, Of yeah. course, if you can't do anything to stop them, if something goes wrong, too. Mm -hmm. Like, we can't go in with the hippos and separate them exactly. if something were to happen. Or same with gorillas. But what exactly are they doing as leaders or like disciplinarians like what are they teaching or how are they keeping the group like glued together yeah so now we talk about the males being the leader of the group and they absolutely are but if the male steps out of line these females are going to correct him <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> so um that will absolutely happen so the males will break up fights in the wild and that kind of thing if okay. females get food aggressive or whatever it is um, the males will break that up and kind of, they like things quiet, they like things calm, that means things are peaceful. Um, so they'll do that type of thing. So, but as little kids grow up, they need to learn those things. Um, so typically when you have an adult female or an adult male correcting a smaller individual, it's not going to be super aggressive. They might just kind of mouth them and then off they go. And the kid sits there and like, oh, okay, I've collected that information <laughs> <laughs> and then we will go further. Um, but yeah, they're also savvy in their gorilla behaviors and it's been so amazing to watch. I bet that's really fun to learn, like, the behaviors and yeah. every, like how they're communicating and just watching them and seeing yeah. what different I mean, behaviors even, mean. Even little glances here and there, like, that's communicating. So when Jomo was in that group, he didn't have to do much. He had so much respect from those little girls. He would just look at them, and they would be like, okay, <laughs> okay. I hear you, I hear you. Um, and an yeah. outsider probably wouldn't even see that they were right. doing something that might Very be, subtle. like, a little... They shouldn't be doing and him giving that yes. look, but you guys know them so well. Yeah. It's very subtle. We've all know that look, though, from your parent where you're like, <laughs> okay, I'm straightening up. I won't do whatever Absolutely. I was doing. <laughs> but before we introduce them, like, we do everything we can to prep them for that full introduction. So you have, you know, however long it takes to go at their pace, whatever they need. Um, they'll see each other visually first. Um, and then we'll kind of move them closer to where they can touch each other through like a mesh and that kind of thing. And it really reinforces the, them being next to each other. So high-valued enrichment items, uh, we do cooperative feedings if we need to, and then see how that howdy mesh situation goes before we say, okay, let's go ahead and put them together. So there's a mm -hmm. lot of work that goes into the full introduction process, so you are fully prepared, have set them up for full success as much as you can. Um, but, you know, when it does happen, lots of, you know, it isn't um, abnormal to have 
vocal gorillas during that time. Yeah, no, sure, yeah. <laughs> but it, it was pretty calm, and um, Chewy, for the most part, kind of kept her distance. She came in if she needed to come in, but she did great, too. So, okay, sorry, tell me one more time yeah. the three groups we have, and then kind of how you decide who does what each day, or where they're going. Who, okay. well, How you might decide who's out in the indoor habitat versus the outdoor okay, habitat. Okay, so we have Machindi's Troop. That's a total of three gorillas. Okay. We have Indume's troop, total of three gorillas. Okay. And then Mbelli's troop has five individuals. Okay. And to answer the second party question, I don't have an answer for you. Okay. <laughs> so we don't have a schedule. Um, it's literally day by day, whatever the keepers decide. If we can come up with something even more creative the next day, let's do it. So the gorillas and any primates really thrive off of not having a schedule. So we don't want them to know what's happening next. They love being able to move around because that's what they'd be doing in the wild. So we do a lot of movement around throughout the day. So just because they're in the indoor habitat one morning doesn't mean they're not going to be in four other places later in the afternoon. Mm. So we are moving them around anywhere from four to five times a day. Wow, that must take up a lot that. of time. It takes up a lot of time, especially working dangerous animals. You have yeah. to be extra safe and secure. Um, so each time, that a lot of people are like, well, how in the world do you get them to move that often? Well, each time they move, they just know like when a door opens, they go through it and they get another you know, part of their food that way. Um, so we set up a lot of foraging behaviors and, you know, males eat up to about 40 pounds of food a day. So they are constantly eating. Wow. And since they are constantly eating, they're constantly having to digest, digest things. And then they do sleep a lot because their body is working on digesting food. Um, so people may see them sleeping throughout the day. They're doing what gorillas do. <laughs> they're nice happy, they're relaxed, they get to eat, they sleep. Um, so yeah. And what is something, or I guess just tell us about their diet. I was going to ask something that you would use to like high value reward, but we just tell us about their diets in general. Yeah. So they're typically herbivores. They will eat insects from time to time. Um, our guys aren't as big a fan of insects, but honestly they have a pretty nice choice of food so yeah. <laughs> um, but they'll eat all kinds of, like in the wild roots shoots leaves they'll eat bark um, like I had mentioned they have giant canines so if you come to the zoo and you look at the males you'll see that they have almost a cone-shaped head the males are twice as large as females and that is actually their jaw muscles attaching to the top of their head. Wow. So that shows you how strong of a bite they have. So not only to help protect them in the wild, but also to chew the bark off of the trees and those types of mm. things. Um, so we try our best to mimic that again. So we are giving them all kinds of browse throughout the day. Um, they get all kinds of uh, vegetables. They do get a small amount of fruit, um, but we typically train for high-valued items, so the fruit items and sweet. They have a sweet tooth just like people do, so <laughs> those tend to be the higher-valued items. That's, well. That's awesome. That's so cool that you guys have, I mean, since our renovation especially, so much space to utilize Absolutely. for moving the gorillas because they thrive off of that different days, right? Mm -hmm. A different cycle every yeah. single day, and that's awesome that you guys are able to utilize that. You talked about some of their um, high-value items. What are their favorite fruit foods is they're all fruit for all of them um not necessarily we you know we typically train with grapes they do train well with grapes because it's easy to administer it's safe for us and they enjoy it but like Malenzi, for some reason loves kale she's the only one that enjoys Oof. kale the way she does kale. and man she loves it <laughs> so they do this singing vocalization when they're really happy they get something <laughs> nice that they eat she just sings away when she's eating her kale <laughs> that's adorable I know, I but i kind of dance when i have food that <laughs> right? I really like. so it's kind of the same thing but it comes out in a vocal way <laughs> that's adorable yeah is there anything you've noticed that they really don't like um, it tends to be like squashes. Okay, the yeah. plain stuff. Yeah, the plain yeah. stuff. So they're a little bit spoiled, I think, in that way. That's <laughs> sure, yes, of course. <laughs> Whatever they want. Right. And so you guys do a lot of training, obviously. They're really intelligent. Do you have any um, fun things you're working on or any past uh, behaviors you've trained that you're really proud of or you want to share? Yeah, I mean, I am very lucky to work it, with a team that is so experienced and has such great training ability that we've been able to really accomplish a lot and it was developed our training program with the gorillas was developed when first operant conditioning was first being learned about mm -hmm. it was one of the first places in the zoo that had developed a training program 
Um, so over the years, we've been able to accomplish a lot of things. Um, so just for an example, this week we gave flu vaccines wow. out. So everybody was trained to voluntarily come over for the vaccines. Um, and, you know, COVID vaccines was a huge accomplishment mm -hmm. for our team. So we talk a lot about this trust bank. When you're going to sit down to train, you're always building up your trust bank throughout the day, even when you're not training. And so when you constantly want to try to put as much into this trust bank, so when you go to sit down to train a behavior that's a little bit more maybe scary as much as you try to prepare them for that situation, um, a vaccine, when you go to actually do the vaccine, it may sting, it may be, feel a little bit mm -hmm. different. Um, so you're going to automatically be taking out of that trust bank. Um, so having built it up as much as you can, that way in three weeks when you have to give the second COVID vaccine, you have enough in that trust bank to get them back yeah. and get that behavior back. So um, everybody did great with it, and but it was a lot of work and a huge collaboration between the vet staff. We have great vet techs that help us and then our team as well. But um, So then gorillas are also prone to um, heart disease. So they do tend to get cardiomyopathy. And so we try to stay on top of that as much as possible. Mm. So they get their cardiac exams. Everybody is trained for cardiac exams from the oldest to the youngest. So Elle, I think, was doing, if I'm remembering correctly, got her first cardiac exam at three years old, and it was the cutest thing in the world. That's <laughs> impressive. That's cool. And will um, you explain to people how this works? Because yes. they're awake and they're participating, but uh -huh. you have to be safe. So how do you yes. put an ultrasound or an EKG, or how are you doing it? Yeah, so we have an ultrasound machine. So they're trained. They have, so we're all, we never are going in with our gorillas. Far too dangerous. So we train through like a mesh wall basically so we can touch and palpate them and those kinds of things but no appendages of ours are crossing the plane of that mesh so same thing when we when we train we are we ask for their chest to be flush up against that mesh and then we put a probe on our chest and uh, we have people helping us out with the ultrasounds kind of guiding us so we're our attention is solely on the gorillas and making sure that we're super safe um, we have a lovely lady named Jenny Schaff that comes over from Christ Hospital that helps us out with those ultrasounds, so we're very excited about that. Um, Did you have to build a special window or anything, or does the ultrasound, like, I can't imagine it, the mesh being big enough that you do you have to move it around? Or? So the probe that we use does actually fit through the oh, mesh, okay. so we haven't had it to make a window, but I mean, I'm, you know, if when it comes, we will. <laughs> um, but yes, sometimes these machines, depending on what have gathered anyways, sometimes, like Melinzi in particular, her ribs seem to be closer together. Huh. So it's harder for us to get nice images of mm. her. So she tends to have to sit there longer so we can get the probe in there and really get everything that we need. Um, so it could be anywhere up to a half an hour that they're sitting cooperatively the whole time, kind of in an awkward position. Um, so we can get those images and then they're Very sent off impressive. and then they, yeah, all those images are then sent off to the grade eight heart project. So it's like a full, um, uh, record keeping area. And so we can gather more information about why they're getting this heart disease and that kind of stuff. So. That's amazing. I'm sure it can help gorillas and other zoos that maybe aren't doing this or just yeah. in general. I don't know if it could eventually go back into the wild, but just learning more about gorillas. Obviously, we right. want to collect all of the information we right. can about all of our animals yeah. if possible. It's. I think it's so impressive because I have a two-year-old at home now, and I'm thinking, like, he would not sit still even with all the snacks in the world for right. 30 minutes, like, right. and they have the intelligence. So. Uh, yeah. So. And then we also um, do blood pressure readings. So we have this like giant sleeve that comes off their bedroom space. So they're trained to put their arm through the sleeve. And then we have what's called a tough cuff that blows up the blood pressure cuff around their arm. And so you're taking your trust bank then when you can't explain to them why this is being, why the, they get pressure on yeah. their arm and that yeah. kind of thing. So, and then we have um, EKG. So we do the cardiomobile stuff with them too. So we're on top of their heart. They have great health care, probably better than some of the keepers do. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they do great. That's awesome. So impressive. And it's funny because sometimes you think the more intelligent an animal is, the easier they might be to train. But that's also the opposite. And the harder they are to train and the easier to ruin that trust bank because mm. they don't forget and they're going right. to remember what happened the last right. time. Right. And they catch every little detail. So, like, for an example, when you go to do flu vaccines, if you don't have the exact, 
correct syringe size that you're practicing with with the right colored cap like oh these types of things will catch it and like oh i don't think that's trustworthy yeah. um so you have to be completely prepared for every little thing <laughs> that's impressive like yeah. they catch up on every detail that's yes. incredible then i'm sure you're doing a lot of enrichment with them mm-hmm. too are there any of your favorites that or are their favorites but your favorites to watch um i we love to give them things that they manipulate so a lot of People think that only chimpanzees use tools. That's not true. All of grapes do use tools. Um, so gorillas in the wild will be seen. Um, they've been observed, like, taking long sticks and testing the depths of, like, swampy waters before they cross because lots of times they're traveling through swampy waters. Um, and Or they'll be fishing termites out of mounds with sticks. So we try to mimic those behaviors as much as we can with our, our enrichment to bring out that natural history. Um, so we have what we call like fishing feeders. So we'll put different like food items in these fishing feeders and then they have to use a stick and pull out the food in that way. Mm. So like our little girls in particular are really great at using tools. So <gasps> Elle, Elle fashions her, her tools perfectly and like they tend to be like the same length every time. If it's not the right length, she'll make it the right length. Like she's very wow. particular about her tools. Yeah. That's so fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Do, is that something that they learn from watching their parents or they learn from each other? I, I It is much more of like a learned behavior. Okay. Yeah. And you mentioned that we have Western lowland gorillas, mm-hmm. um, but there are two types, correct? So there are two species two of gorillas. Species. Okay. Within, so you have the western gorillas and then you have the eastern gorillas. So within the eastern gorillas, you have the growers gorillas and the mountain gorillas. Oh, I've only heard of mountains. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then in the western gorillas, you have the cross river gorillas and then the western lowland gorillas. I haven't heard of the cross river either. Yeah. Wow. So there okay. are very few cross river gorillas left in the wild. I think that just recently released about 400 that they oh, expect. But the only type of gorilla you'll see in zoos are the western lowland gorillas. And why is that? You know, I don't know that answer. <laughs> Do you know the numbers for um, the other types, or is that... Um, so the mountain gorillas are up to about 1,000 individuals, so they have actually been taken off the critically endangered list, surprisingly. How is 1,000 enough? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. That's yeah. amazing, but also, <laughs> right. wow, that's not very many. So this is the Diane Fossey Foundation that they have worked so hard. So when Diane Fossey, you know, started doing research on our land, they are about ready to lose all of their land. So they've really been able, through that foundation, to keep that land it's not very much but they went from having 400 gorillas to now having a thousand in that same amount of land Um, so because they're able to thrive in such a small space that's why they're taken off the critically endangered list but all the other Mm -hmm. gorillas remain on it so western lowland gorillas are thought to have about 300,000 individuals left and that's from a census that was done in 2018 when it was published and it was more than um, initially thought not because there's now magically more gorillas unfortunately it's just they're getting better at counting Um, so and but it's unfortunately thought to believe that we're losing about 2,000 gorillas each year so yeah so in 25 years I mean they may be halved so yeah it's really unfortunate what is where can you find the western lowland gorillas so the western lowland gorillas are found in the all across the central part of the Congo basin so in Gabon Republic of Congo Nigeria and Cameroon area okay and what are the biggest threats that they face so logging you know deforestation is 100% a huge threat and then also the bushmeat trade is awful so a lot of the communities that live around these areas they used to hunt gorillas for food and to help their family survive and that kind of thing um, unfortunately, now the bushmeat trade has turned into a commercial business. So wow. these people are driving in on the logging roads. That's how they're able to access the animals mm. so easily. Um, so unfortunately, yeah, they're taking a big hit from that. Wow. One problem creating another yes. problem, essentially, yeah. or making it easier for yeah. another problem. It's so wild to me. I get it if you're trying to survive and that sort of thing, but you just... They're so close to humans. I can't imagine that being like an animal that people right. would hunt and want. Right. It would become a commercial thing. Yeah. I know. It is a strange thing. And the good thing is, like, the Cincinnati Zoo is involved with Clubby Bobo. And I can talk more broadly about the whole project. But Clubby Bobo is a community outreach program in the area where the Western Lowland Gorillas live. So they really are teaching these tribes and communities how to live sustainably without doing that. And so they aren't you know, taken advantage of by these commercial businesses either. So um, that has helped a lot 
you know, educating the public that actually live in the area. We hear that a lot and we talk about it a lot that education is simply one of the most important things we can Mm -hmm. do anywhere, you know, when there are issues with habitat loss or poaching or things like people are just doing what they can to survive. But if you can educate them on different ways or why you should save an animal, it makes such a difference. And the community outreach aspect to it, right? Like you need to get the people that actually live there and actually share space with the gorillas involved if you want any of these projects to be successful and it's so important. Right, yeah. yeah. Do you know much about tourism? If people are going, is that helpful or hurtful to gorillas? So there is a park called the, so this is all part of Cliffy Bobo as well. Um, and it's called, in, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, in Bali Ndoke National Park. Um, and this is a massive, basically untouched area where these gorillas can live and thrive. And this area, a lot of different things are done in this area. There's a section of the park where it's called Mondika Research. That's where Mona, Mondika, got her name from. Um, But it's a section of the park that they're working on habituating western lowland gorillas to ecotourism, kind of like the mountain gorillas. That has been really successful. That's a great program. They have ecotourism, helps fund that program. Um, so they're in the process of doing that with Western Lowland Gorillas too, but it's a much harder area to get to. Oh, okay. Um, so you have that, and then also within the park, you have the Mbeli Bi Study. So Mbeli, <laughs> um, also named after the Mbeli Bi Study. Um, so this place is actually the longest running Western Lowland Gorilla Study in the world. Um, and it's basically, it's a big bi, so it's a big clearing in the forest. It's a big swampy area where all kinds of animals come and vegetate on. And um, so you will, it's a great place to research gorillas. Um, So we've learned a lot about gorillas through the study. That they do use tools. What age they mature, what their birth intervals are, what size groups they live in, those kinds of things. So all that information has been super invaluable to us because we can better manage our gorillas here. But also they're gathering all this information so they can figure out or kind of gauge how much land western lowland gorillas need to truly be sustainable. Um, so that really helps gathering that information to kind of figure out what road we're headed. And these clearings are so useful as far as studies go because how difficult must it be to study gorillas in like the densely, super difficult, like densely forested yeah. areas? Yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, and it's funny that you mentioned that because we, you know, manage our gorillas very similar to we try to go in it with the same mentality of you have gorillas living in a very dense forest where they'd be in one group, but they could be sitting all around each other, but not seeing each other. So they know each other are there, but they're not seeing each other. So we try to best mimic that here as well. So we have all kinds of visual barriers up, all kinds of different things that they can toss around or whatever that would, they would have in the forest. So just kind of like, you know, think about when we were shut down during COVID, all of us kind of went stir crazy staring at each other in our houses, you know, and think like if we had more visual barriers, we'd be a <laughs> I don't know. Um, but we try to mimic that type of thing too, because it can get irritating to sit around and stare at each other all the time. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you mentioned like the birth intervals. What is that? Do you know? And do we plan on, are there any chances of babies in the future? So yes. So birth intervals are usually about four years. Um, females are thought to be fully mature about 10 years old. Okay. Um, so Mbeli is another reason why he came here is because he's genetically matched with our three little girls. Oh, okay. So okay. once they are become fully mature, we're going to start to have breeding recommendations. So Mbeli will be here for quite a while, um, and we're excited to kind of see full circle. So it is fun because um, I'm sure a lot of people know about Gladys's story. So Gladys, we did a human or did a surrogacy program with Gladys because her mom decided not to care for her and all these things. Um, successfully, we got her to be back in with gorillas with Malenzi. It's kind of a very shortened version of this. Um, but it'll be um, fun to see it all come full circle and for her to have her own baby. And it'll be really Yeah, exciting. definitely. Yeah. And I can't imagine, you know, we did the hand raising with Fiona, which is just so different than a primate. I, mm-hmm. Like, you guys had to go all out. I mean, you dressed <laughs> up like gorillas. Yes. You grunted like gorillas. Mm-hmm. You walked on your hands and knees like gorillas. Yeah. I mean, she did give you guys a shortened version of that. Yeah. But they worked really, really hard. And, and I mean, I, I can only imagine how, like, rewarding it was that she 
then learned how to be a gorilla despite being raised by humans. And right. it's so important because you need them to act right. like a gorilla. Yeah. Um, how old is Gladys now? She will be 10 in January. Okay. Wow. So it blows my mind. Yeah. But a lot of people ask like, oh, what's your favorite moment at the zoo? And people will just assume I'm going to immediately say, oh, like helping raise Gladys, which absolutely is a great moment. I don't want to, you know, discredit that by any means. We don't want to have to go that route, but right. it is very enjoyable when you do. But my favorite moment working here is watching... The, so we were able to get Melenzi and Gladys together and let them bond up for a while. And the idea is that you want to add more females into the group before adding in a silverback. Since the silverback is not the silverback's kid, you're not entirely sure how they're going to act. Mm -hmm. So you want to have a strong female coalition build up and put them in his place if needed. Um, so the day came, we had this big, strong female coalition build up with Gladys, and it was time to add in Jomo or Silverback. And it was the coolest day ever because these girls made just like a gorilla line. I was going to guess girls, that's so cool. A gorilla line, like in between Gladys and Jomo, and it was the coolest thing ever to see them take this extra precaution. Oh my gosh. And um, of course, it was unneeded because Jomo was a great dad, and he just wanted to smell her and see if it was a boy or a girl, basically, Aww. right away. <laughs> um, but it was just such a cool thing to experience. Yeah. How old was she when you were able to reintroduce her? So she was back in at four months old. Okay. So we... She's still teeny tiny. Teeny tiny. So you have a 400 pound silverback up against a four pound gorilla baby. It's oh a massive difference. Yeah. And it's terrifying, <laughs> it's I'm sure, terrifying, for you guys, yeah. but then so exciting it's when so it exciting went well. So exciting. And it worked well, yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. That sounds like an incredible experience and it's always so rewarding when everything mm -hmm. goes well and you never know how animals will act and it is one of those things where we try really hard to do the howdy and make sure that they all are getting along before they're actually right. sharing space but it's just like people like we aren't always going to love oh, our college roommate that we get thrown in with or we could become best friends you know mm -hmm. or whatever so that's really exciting when that works out and then will you tell us the age of Mona and Elle? Yeah so Elle is seven okay and then Mona is eight and then L was the fiftieth gorilla baby born here, oh, so yeah. Roman numeral L is L. Okay, so, um, that's how she got her name. But she she's so fun. I was she, gonna say I feel like she is the one that is just always putting on a show when is, I do yeah. get the chance to go down. We there. call her a little tank because she you know has been through a lot and she's just so tough and so resilient and um, she's just so fun and she really wants. Not a whole lot to do with us, which I kind of love. Like, yeah. she's off doing her own thing, and that's totally fine. But she, she's a ham, for that's sure. That's so fun. Little independent girl. Yeah. She's so sweet. <laughs> do you have... I, we're not supposed to ask this question, but we always ask this question. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite gorilla? I don't... I can't, like, narrow it down to a single one. But I definitely have a special place in my heart for Malinzi. Um, I, you know... She's one of the first gorillas I worked with. So, and she, people view her as being this grumpy gorilla because she has a very deep brow ridge. Um, so people call it like a resting gorilla face because she's oh. so <laughs> grumpy, but she's not grumpy at all. She has such a sweet personality and, um, she does even more subtle things that like lets you know that she's playing. So even as subtle as like, she'll tap her finger and that means she's like ready to play Aww. and like wants you to hang out. Oh my gosh. And, um. And she, these guys are nest builders, so they'll build nests at night to sleep on them out of different substrates, so in the wild, all kinds of like twigs and leaves and that kind of thing. So they'll get wood, wool, straw, really anything that we can think of as a substrate to give them. And um, she loves fabrics, so a lot of times people are posting photos of her, um, and she's got a fab piece of fabric on her head, <laughs> um, but she just loves it. But she'll make um, nests out of fabric. She loves that. That's so mm -hmm. fun. We love seeing the meerkats get really comfy and cozy. They're <laughs> yeah. one of the animals we can give blankets to. Oh, yeah. So watching them, you know, like, they have a choice. They, they can have a pile of mulch, a pile of straw. <laughs> And blankets, and they're always going to choose the blankets. Like, yeah. I can't blame you. So, do you ever Crazy. give them like a giant comforter or anything, or do you try um, and stay away from that stuff? It depends on the individual. The comforters don't last too long, okay. <laughs> they do destroy things they have pretty too much. Fun with them. <laughs> yeah, no, that could have been a really comfortable uh, bed. So, it is hard. They do tear our enrichment up, so we are ha constantly having to replenish it. Thankfully, mm. we do have a great um, enrich volunteer enrichment committee that helps repair our stuff all the time because they're constantly taking it apart and um gladys in particular if there's any like if we have a pvc feeder where you have to screw the top or the bottom out she's 
It's unscrewed within seconds, and I'm like, well. <laughs> <laughs> we tried. <laughs> it was good for those couple seconds while it lasted, yeah. So then being so smart, that's another challenge. I'm really yeah. trying to enrich them throughout the day, so. Right, yeah, not just smart, but they can do, they can manipulate so yes. many things, you know. Get into everything. The lions are smart, but they can't use a hand to, like, uh-huh. pull something. Or, right. So that would be an extra challenge for sure. One more experience I wanted to ask you about real quick. Pretty recently, within I guess four years or so now, we did open our brand new beautiful indoor gorilla habitat, and we also kind of renovated our behind the scenes area as well. What was it like for your keeper staff to watch the gorillas get to enter this new space and basically get a new home? Oh my them, gosh, right? that renovation was a complete game changer to every single degree possible. So not only are we adding, uh, I think it was it was over double the space for our gorillas, which is very impressive. Um, but such a dynamic facility and we're able to get so much more creative and to offer them so much more to have this very happy life that it was just a complete game changer. I think one of the biggest challenges for the keepers, at least what I've heard from over the years is, you know, we're all very excited for this, but the safety aspect Mm. was like, you're on a whole different level because you're working multi-floors, you're working multi-habitats. And then also you have to up your safety game as much as you possibly can. So I think that was um, not that it was necessarily a worry. Like we were able were able to troubleshoot those things pretty well, but it's just on a whole different level. Sure. Yeah, because they're going up and down in different areas that you can't see. Maybe one yeah. person has an eye on them up here and somebody's down there and mm-hmm. you guys have to communicate a lot like with each other, a right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think of the safety measures, you know, we have to take place when we work with our painted dogs or our lions or whatever. And that's just kind of like a 2D map, right? Mm-hmm. It's all one floor layout, whereas you're dealing with multiple floors, multiple levels yeah. that they climb up between. It's got to be hectic, very, to yeah, say the very, least. <laughs> very challenging, but also it's so, um, what's the word? flexible as well mm-hmm. it's very strange because like if you, yeah, you have so many options and like every single like we're still thinking of new things to do like oh we could do this way or that way or offer them this like there's so many different options so we're all so thankful for that that's yeah yeah that's fun and that's enriching for the gorillas Absolutely. too right no two days are the same for yes. them so that's the goal yeah <laughs> how warm does it need to be for the gorillas to be outside or to have access so it would need to be a feels like 40 degrees okay. yeah cool yeah mm-hmm. and then I know that one of my favorite things to watch is the training. So, like, from the indoor habitat, we can see you guys back there sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do you do training there often, or is that something guests can look forward to, or is that maybe they should just, they'll just happen upon it, or? It's more of a happen upon thing. It's not a scheduled out mm-hmm. scenario, and it is hard to schedule kinds of those kinds of things out since we don't have a gorilla schedule. Yeah. Too, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> like, we like not having that. Yeah. Um, but we do try to train through that mesh when we can. Um, so like a lot of people probably saw when Jomo was here, we would do a lot of his physical therapy on the indoor habitat. And that was really cool training. Cause that, you know, I had not done physical therapy sessions like that before. Yeah. That's so cool. amazing. To the point where he was stepping up on a box, like a two foot tall box one on he'd step up on his left side and then he'd step down do his right side it was such a cool experience and people got to see that and i love that and you could just see the little kids faces yeah, yeah. It's so cool yeah that's one of my favorite parts about the new for us on the outside i'm like i'm so glad that they made it so that we could see the interactions yeah. and the training and that Absolutely. sort of thing and we'll do paintings and that kind of thing too so people can see it so fun yeah. Well, is there anything we missed as far as gorilla information that we should talk about or you were hoping to mention? I honestly feel like we covered a lot of it. Awesome. You guys had great questions. No, you told us a lot. I I learned a lot. I still need a family tree drawn out. (laughs) Oh, we're going to figure this out, you know. That'll just be for me personally. Because I just can't keep up with the names. Probably because I can't pronounce a lot of them very well. Yeah. (laughs) For me, it's hard to put the names to the faces when I get over there, right? The three little girls are still... Not, I don't want to say easy because now they're getting to be the same size, uh-huh. but the three little girls I can still tell apart, but yeah. it can be tricky telling who's who. Gorillas are incredibly hard to tell apart and identify. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad it's not yeah, just it's me. Yeah, it's <laughs> not just you. Absolutely not. It takes a while even for keepers when they start to learn all the individuals, and um, it's thought that each gorilla nose is kind of like a fingerprint to a person, so okay. each gorilla nose is different. Nose. Okay. But I don't look at their noses. Yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. Once you look at them, you can glance yeah. at them. And know who's or who, like yeah. if you know someone's acting 
like L, just kind of being somebody's out there being crazy, just personality wise. Yeah. So, like, that's definitely L. That's yeah. what's happening. So. <sighs> Oh, okay. Well, then we will do um, trivia if okay. you're up for it. Yeah, I actually, will do my best. It's just fun. Don't. If you're in, I've got some gorilla trivia for you guys. Oh, oh no. Then. Of course, of course <laughs> it's gorilla trivia today, right? Sit back then because I won't know. That's going to be a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> question number one kind of has something to do. We touched on this a little bit, like just how human like they are and how human like gorillas can be. How much of our DNA is shared with gorillas? Ooh. What percentage? Should I guess first? Because yeah, I'm ahead, guessing you know the answer. Yeah, in general, yeah. Okay. Right. Is it like 98.8%? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, right at 98%. 98%? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yep. gave it a little boost. Right. Bonobos <laughs> 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 are the closest related to us at 99%. Yeah, so yeah. gorillas are right at 98%. That's I good. mean, in every I interaction. I the bonobo part as a yeah. mentor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it stuck with you. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, in every interaction you see, you can always tell how human-like they are, and I think Absolutely. that's something that inspires a lot of people yeah. to care Definitely. for them, right? Yeah. yeah. All right, one for one here. Question two. How old is the oldest living gorilla in the world believed to be? Ooh. Currently alive? Currently alive, yeah. Ooh, that's a hard one to keep track of sometimes. We have 41-year-olds, or almost 41-year-olds here. A male? Oh, you're not going to tell me. A male or female, are you? Um, I'm not going to tell you. Gonna... Does one uh, sex usually live longer? Um, typically. Not always, but sometimes. Females? Do they normally mm -hmm. live longer? Um, currently alive. This is what's getting me. Yes. I'm going to guess 44. Jenna's guessing 44, okay. Um, Ashley? 60. <gasps> 60. Ashley's really close. It's 65. Currently what? alive. Currently, oh, so what is the, who is this? It's in Berlin Zoo. Oh, okay. The gorilla's name, I'm probably mispronouncing this, but it's Fatou, F-A-T-O-U. Okay. It's a female, and she's believed to be 65 years oh, old. Oh, goodness, yeah. I, do, I, have, I need to do a better job keeping up with I European gorillas. I thought 50 gorillas. was... Yeah, it's one thing to be in the U.S., right? It's yeah, yeah. To bring in like, some European. So, so Mbeli's dad was the oldest living male, Ozzy, in Atlanta, and he lived to be 61 years old. Holy cow. Oh, wow. You said that they... 30, I know. Their 30s, and they can live that much I know. Longer. Isn't that crazy? Wow. I know. Great health care. I mean, I guess yeah, that's like that's one of those humans double. that's 110, right? Yeah. Right, like, yeah. Lifespan 70, but... 70, 75, somewhere right there. Yeah. That seems young, though. <laughs> he lives right there. Oh, man, I definitely bombed that one. All right, question number three. Maybe the most gor famous gorilla that ever existed, or existed is a, in qu air quotes here, existed. Okay. In what year was the movie King Kong released? You know me by years. <laughs> You're just trying to embarrass me. I have now. to ask one year oh question gosh, for I've... Jenna every every episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, In what year was the movie King Kong released? I have no idea. That's embarrassing, but I have no idea. Nineteen forty-seven. Forty-seven for Jenna. All right, <laughs> Ashley, do you have a guess? That's too far back, isn't it? No. No. Where is it? I, I don't, don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know my television history here. Um. We'll say nineteen forty one. Ashley's closer with forty one. The correct answer is April seventh, nineteen thirty three. Wow. wow. I thought I was going okay. way too far back. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Interesting fact I saw when I looked that up though. King Kong's vocalizations, obviously gorillas don't roar and growl <laughs> like this, right? King Kong's vocalizations were a an auditory blend of tiger and lion growls. <laughs> wow. What okay. kind of noises do gorillas make? So they do a noise that kind of sounds like a growl. People um, perceive it that way, but it's calling it's called a purring vocalization. Um, so it's very guttural, um, but it's a nice vocalization. So it, they're like happy or yeah, it's they're positive. Happy. Okay. Yeah. Um, they also do this cough or barking vocalization that oh. it sounds exactly like a cough. Huh. And it's a warning sign okay. to other gorillas like, hey, step off, this is your warning. Um, but they also do like screaming or um, chest beat. They'll use chest beating for mm. communication too. Um, but they have about 25 different vocalizations. Wow, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That coughing one's very interesting because I've heard that okay. when I've seen our gorillas before. Just randomly, once or twice yeah. I've heard that. And I was like... 
what was that? How do you know, <laughs> how do you know if they actually have a cough or not? <laughs> 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 just keep going on. Yeah, right. <laughs> they are susceptible to a lot. Like yes, you guys have to be so careful. Oh, absolutely. That must be exhausting. So I yeah, I they can get everything we can and vice versa. Ugh. So it's a constant stressor for sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right, last question for you all. A gorilla that I spent a lot of time with growing up. Donkey, Donkey Kong. Kong. <laughs> Donkey Kong. <laughs> I knew you were going so to say that. that. <laughs> I don't know anything about Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. All right. How did D- Donkey Kong get the name Donkey Kong? What's it supposed to mean? So Donkey Kong's creators gave him the name Donkey Kong um, to kind of like substitute this two-word phrase that they wanted to get the picture across. I don't think they got it. I don't know if I'm phrasing that right. Yeah, I'm phrasing. They wanted to get. Wait, what? Yeah, so this is kind of like the picture of the character that they wanted to to make was this two word phrase, and they named him Donkey Kong, in place of this two word phrase. (laughs) If you get it, I'll be impressed. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I don't even know how to guess. Um... Any guesses? No. I don't have one. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm really curious what Nothing. this is. The phrase is stubborn ape. Oh. So I oh, always wondered okay. how he got the donkey response, right? Donkey yeah. was supposed to mean stubborn. Like okay. donkeys are the embodiment of stubborn, I guess. I think I would debate that. But, you know, some people may think that. And then Kong, because King Kong became synonymous with the word ape. Oh. So, yeah, he became Donkey Kong. Yeah, interesting. I would not have ever. Because no. Donkey Kong was a bad guy. He was the antagonist when he was first created. So. Oh, I really liked that yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> now, now he's turned so sides. Right, like he's the train cart. Yeah, yeah, like the coal <laughs> mining <laughs> cart. Yep. Oh my god. Oh man. Oh, dear. Well, thank you guys for humoring me. Yes. You got the real gorilla questions. But this is the King Kong and Donkey Kong questions. Jenna, do we have anything else for Ashley while we have her? Yes, Ashley, what can I do? Yes. So the biggest thing for gorillas in particular is recycle your cell phones. So if you come to the zoo, we have different recycle boxes around here. We have a partnership with EcoCell, and you can bring in other things other than just cell phones. It's cell phone chargers, really any sort of electrical device that's not bigger than a laptop, or they won't take laptops either. But um, And the reason that that's so important is because there's a mineral in all of those gadgets called coltan, and that mineral is mined in gorilla habitat. So the more of those that we're recycling, the less of that needs mined, and more animals and habitat that we're saving. So that is my my thing. I love it. Yeah. Yes, and it's so easy. Like you don't ever know what to do with that sort of thing. But if mm-hmm. you're coming to the zoo, you can turn them into a box, and we'll recycle them Absolutely. for you. And yeah, coltan affects a lot of animals in Africa. So Absolutely. definitely helping more than just gorillas, and an easy way to get rid of your stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, these yeah. can be cell phones, like tablets, iPads, even the chargers. E-readers, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Even the chargers. Yep. That's I. Awesome carried around a bag of old cell phones for like three years in the trunk of my car like, I put them back there and then just kept forgetting to bring them in but people would give them to me to take in but yeah. collect your families you know go yes. through the junk drawers see what you have you can bring them yeah. in one nowadays day. everyone gets a new phone what every two or three years yeah. probably everyone gets a new cell phone so I'm sure sitting around your house somewhere absolutely. there's an old cell phone that you can bring in help save gorillas yeah. why not be a part of that right absolutely yeah. Yeah. we appreciate it for sure yeah well, we appreciate having you on oh, and teaching so us much. all about gorillas. And it sounds like you have a lot of fun animals that you oh, get to so work with. Oh, so much fun. Yes. So much fun. People and animals here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you yeah. again. We know you're busy. Thanks for taking the time to stop by and chat with us. Absolutely. And thanks to all our listeners. Thank you all for tuning in for another episode. Talk to you next time. <laughs>